Open Patience with Amelia Rope, a podcast about business, well-being and chocolate. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of Hope and Patience. It's wonderful to have you here. One of the many treats with podcasting is getting the opportunity to chat with founders who I've always wanted to grab a coffee with to hear their stories and insights. With today's guest, I fell in love with their product about 16 months ago, and so having them on the show was a no-brainer. A few thought-provoking facts and questions on the topic of laundry before I introduce our fab guest. If every household in the UK turned their washing machine from 40 degrees C to 30 degrees C for one year, it would save CO2 emissions equivalent to powering 1,550 homes for a year. Did you know that every wash load we run can create up to 17 million tiny plastic fibres which goes into our rivers and oceans? Does your fabric conditioner contain animal fats which some of the big brands disguise in their list of ingredients? You probably now have some idea about what our guest does. Our guest today is Paula Quasi, co-founder with Nick Green of the vegan, plastic-free cleaning detergent company Small. Having recently raised 8.8 million euros and supplying over 250,000 homes, Small is one of the fastest growing laundry brands and the leading detergent subscription service in the UK. The innovation with the products and the packaging is quite surreal. They also have a whopping 15,000 five-star FIFO and Trustpilot reviews under their belt too. So it's time to talk with our guest and hear their story. Welcome to H&P, Paula. Hi, Amelia. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. Now, Paula, you have achieved so many things in your life to date, including going from a marketing trainee at Unilever to be their first female marketing director on the board in the UK. When you were studying chemistry at school, did you have any idea of what you were going to be doing and the difference that you would be making? Uh, I can honestly say no, I didn't. I um, I mean, I, my kind of belief is always to do the things you enjoy. And um, I studied chemistry because it was the subject that I most enjoyed. A lot of people I know find that hard to believe because they don't like chemistry particularly, but it was, it was my favourite subject. And that's why I went on to study it at university. Um, and I enjoyed it an awful lot. But when I left university, I really wanted to get into understanding brands and consumers. And I was really curious about how the whole world of business worked. Um, and I joined Unilever at that point. And then Paula, from Unilever, mm -hmm. just tell our listeners the journey of how it led on to create Small with you and Nick. I worked at Unilever for 17 years and I met Nick while I was at Unilever and then we both left the business and I ran a marketing consultancy and Nick ran a design agency and we both got together again after about 10 years and developed small so it wasn't an immediate thing from Unilever we both had experiences outside of Unilever. And really the genesis to starting small was was largely our own personal desire to do something good in this space and a feeling of frustration within this whole category that the products weren't really good enough at a number of levels, particularly from an environmental point of view. And my background told me that we could reduce the amount of chemicals in these products and some of the chemicals contained in these products weren't necessary any any longer and also we felt that buying 
eco-friendly products was always so expensive. So it was really limited to only the certain people who could afford it. And we felt that just wasn't fair or right. So we wanted to find a way to produce environmentally friendly products that were accessible to everybody and performed just like the big brands. So one of the problems within this category is that performance of products was really quite inferior in comparison to the big brands and we didn't believe that had to be true. So we spent nearly two and a half years working on the product to try and get to a product which had significantly less chemicals within it and a much lower carbon footprint, but performed just as well, if not better than the leading brands. Um, and after two and a half years, we got there. So it was a, an amazing kind of feeling to, to feel that you could do that and then achieve it as well. And at that point, we launched the brand um, Small. I mean, it appears that we were almost, I would say, thirsty for small because, I mean, did you and Nick factor into your business plan how rapid and powerful the pickup for small would be when you launched it? No, so um, not at all, in, in fact. So we we had um, some funds, our own funds, and a little bit of seed fund um, from really contacts and friends. Um, and we thought we had enough money to try try to make it work for about a year to 18 months. And that was based on the sort of customers that we thought we would gain based on other subscriptions in the UK market and how they had worked. So we thought we would be be okay and manage for about 18 months. And what happened was that it went absolutely crazy from the minute we started. Um, and within 12 weeks, we had already hit our annual target. So um, it was a it was a, a very exciting ride, uh, those first 12 weeks, um, because it also meant that Nick and I, who were doing everything at the time, so we were literally packing product, sending it off through the post. We were answering customer questions. We were putting ads up on feet. Uh, on Facebook we were doing the whole thing ourselves just the two of us um, so in that sh very short period of time things went crazy and we had to change things up very quickly in order to meet the demands but obviously that was a very positive not moaning about that at all that was a really positive experience but quite a roller coaster and one of your um, things Paula with the product is that it's mm. and the packaging is that it you're sort of eco credentials are incredible and how you've developed it is is sort of mind-blowing would you share with the listeners a bit about the sort of sustainability side and the whole recycling and and what you've developed for the products to arrive in and be made from yes of course so so when we started as i said it took two and a half years to get the product right and we were desperate to do the right thing in packaging terms too so we worked really incredibly hard trying to find a way that was going to be convenient. You talked about our pack, our products being quite small, but our packs are pretty small as well and that everything is packed very compactly so that it fits through the letterbox. Um, so we have a tiny pack in comparison to the competitors. Um, and in order to do that, we needed to use um, plastic because the product had to be um, moisture free and it also had to be child lockable um, but we weren't very happy about that at all we we went with the the, the best plastic we could find so we used 100% recycled plastic and we used it at its lightest weight possible and that was for the first probably about a year um, and in that 
year we worked incredibly hard particularly Nick um, so with his design background and Matt our creative head uh, um, in the business they worked incredibly hard trying to find a way to get out of plastic because we just weren't you know just wouldn't accept that plastic was was what we had to use so the guys worked for all that time developing a pack that was fully cardboard and we're the first people we believe in the world that uh, package laundry capsules in cardboard packaging we have developed a child lock so um, products have to be safe for children obviously they're coming through the letterbox and this category of product needs to be safe for children anyway so we developed a child lock uh, locking box which is patented um, and we also developed a way to keep our capsules moisture free so that they're safe in transport delivery and storage um, and that took a long time but we're so proud of what we have now because um, our pack as you say is very unique it's completely 100% plastic free it's child lockable it's moisture safe and it's completely effective for delivery through the post and through people's letterbox and effective with cleaning clothes that's the exciting oh, yes, thing of course. it's really good of course. it is really good of course and it's 100% recyclable obviously because it's cardboard but it's brilliant, Paula. You and Nick seem to have such complementary skill sets. You know, Nick with the packaging side, you with the marketing chemical side. It seems a sort of business marriage in heaven. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know whether Nick would say that. <laughs> no, um, I mean, we, the, the best thing is we've been friends for a long time. So we've been friends for nearly 25 years. And within that, you know, you, you know each other very well. We are quite different. Nick has got a lot of marketing skills as well. Um, Nick also is a qualified uh, management accountant, so he's got a, a wow. finance background. So between us, we have sort of all the skills that we need, but just not enough hours in the day. But yeah, it works really well. How many people do you have working with you? Uh, we have about 35 people with us now. Um, we have just taken on our own uh, warehousing and distribution as well. So we're taking on more people all the time. So that's another big chapter that uh, we are learning how, how to manage. Um, but it has been, it's been great, actually. It's really great being able to kind of look after the whole um, supply chain from start to finish um, and be absolutely sure that everything that goes out to our customers is exactly as we want it. Yeah. And also, I mean, I used to um, have teams who made my chocolate. And the thing is that sometimes you'd find your recipe slightly tweaked uh, under someone mm -hmm. else's brand. So it means that you, with your distribution, you know your customers, nobody else knows them. And also you, your recipes and stuff are very tight because that's all in one mm -hmm. part of your business, isn't it? It's not outsourced. Exactly. Paula, how has um, COVID-19 affected you as a business? So um, when COVID hit in March, Interestingly enough, it was a, it was a pretty stressful time for us because it was exactly when we changed over from our packaging. As I mentioned before, we changed from the recycled plastic um, packs that we had to fully cardboard packs. Um, and in order to do that as a small business, um, we were running down stocks of um, the old packaging and building up stocks of the new packaging exactly over that week when uh, we all heard that we had to go into to lockdown. Um, and obviously the impact of that was the way that we manufactured had to change. People had to obviously be safe and and, and work in, in a safe way. We had to, um, you know, change the way people took their breaks, the number of people we had in, in the space that we had, etc. So it had a massive impact on us just 
managing that changeover. But also at that time, we had a 300% growth in, um, in terms of demand from new customers. It just went crazy. It was off the scale. So we have an ongoing increase, um, uh, increase in customers every single day. We have more customers coming in, trying us and staying with us. But what happened over that, that period when COVID hit, it was just astronomic um, growth uh, that we had never seen to such an extent that actually we had to stop um, marketing because we were worried that our stocks would not enable us to satisfy our existing customers. So we decided that we would stop any new customers over a period of time and only um, manage our own customers until we got things back on track. It didn't take very long, thankfully. It was about two or three weeks of pulling back. And during that time, we didn't short one single customer. We managed to maintain all of our customers, all of their products. It was just a, a, a bit tight. So it was a, a hair-raising hair few weeks for us. But having said that, we're very grateful that we were one of the businesses that didn't suffer on the other side of COVID-19. Um, and we're very aware that we were very lucky um, having a product that is obviously all around hygiene and, and, and cleanliness is obviously very pertinent in, in this time. Um, and also the fact that it comes through the letterbox and prevented people having to go to the shops or indeed, you know, a lot of shops were running out of stocks of these types of products. So we were we were very lucky from that perspective as well, because it, we managed, you know, it's good for our business, as opposed to many other people who suffered as a consequence of, of what happened during that time. Have you ever had a mentor, Paula, or do you have a mentor at all? I think Nick and I use one another as as mentors. So um, it's quite curious, really. But um, we we sort of complement each other a bit when when one of us is finding it tough. The other one is very good at getting that person through it and vice versa. So um, to date, we haven't uh, used a, a mentor, um, but I have lots and lots of um friends and ex-colleagues that are always kind of on hand should should I need somebody to talk to or discuss certain things with and um, I've certainly used a lot of my previous contacts whilst developing small and building this business. And what age were you when you set up small? Um, I think I was 49 when I set up small yeah it might be 48 I can't remember it's around then I don't share my my age very often, so uh, yeah, I'm fifty-one now. No, there's a now, reason. So, uh... There's a reason why I'm asking you, Paula, because I look at things in chapters and people's chapters in life. And what I think is really refreshing is that um, you had a change when you were 40, 48, 40, sorry, mm. 48, 49. I also, with my chocolate business, changed to age 48 and 49. And and the point of the age thing is, I think age in a way is irrelevant, but it's not for people who are now having to re visit their lives, potentially reevaluate what they're going to be doing for an income. And the mm -hmm. point is that you can do it at any age. You don't have to just be in your 20s. You can be in your late 40s. Okay, one's energy is slightly less, but the yes. point is it is possible. And I think that's really important for people to remember is that you can, you know, set up amazing businesses like Paula is doing with Nick and, and be... I hate that word midlife. It depends how what one's aim goal is. But you know, anyway, that was why I was asking your age. It was, no, it's I absolutely true though. No, it's absolutely true because I, I I have often it is pretty hard work, I have to say. And sometimes you think, oof, did I do this at the right stage in my life? However, 
at this stage, you, real benefits are that you've had a, such a broad um, experience and you're able to kind of take some chances and believe in yourself in a way that perhaps you might not have done in your 20s. Absolutely. Um, and, and certainly, you know, from our experience, when we talk to VCs and funds, they have a lot of young founders. Um, we're quite different to that. And I think we approach things very differently. Um, and certainly, if I believe what they tell us, we kind of approach things with some real positives of maturity, uh, the maturity brings um, in how we do things. Um, and it's a lot of fun as well, because in, in your 20s and 30s and 40s, you've kind of learned lots of lots of things and certainly in the world mm. of marketing however the world has changed so dramatically in the last decade that i i'm lucky enough to to experience that whereas if i'd continue doing my old work i don't think i would have experienced that change to quite the same effect so i'm i'm enjoying every moment and learning a lot so um again for me what's really important is to continue learning and i'm loving the fact that i learn something different every day I know. Isn't that amazing? I, I With the podcast, I'm learning a whole new world and I, yeah. I love it. It makes you, in the morning, you just think, oh, I can't wait for the day because you know yeah. you're going to be learning something. And I think that's the whole thing in life is that we're here to learn and grow and develop as individuals. And sometimes people are slower to grow as an individual. I certainly really in my 30s was rebelling and doing loads of different stuff and 40s sort of bedded down a bit. But um, yeah, it's it's really exciting. So Paula, who or what has been the greatest influence and why? It's it's not one person, but I think the whole what what's going on in in with climate change um, and the changes in our environment has been my greatest influence in trying to make a difference um, and the belief that all of us can make a difference because I think sometimes you can feel quite overwhelmed with what's going on and certainly if you you know listen to any of the kind of recent work um, David Attenborough, any of the recent kind of or read any books in that space, you do it does feel quite overwhelming. Like none of us can can really make a difference. Yet the reality is we can all make a difference. We can all do small things, um, and it's all that cumulative effect of all those things that make a difference. So it's many things that have kind of influenced me, um, and I would I wouldn't put it down to necessarily just one one person or one thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that it takes passion or drive to, to set up a business? There's a whole load of thing of people saying you're so passionate about it. I've always argued mm -hmm. that it's more drive, but what are your thoughts on the words passion and drive? I think it takes both. I don't know if that's a cop out answer, but it definitely feels like you have to be passionate about mm -hmm trying to do something differently. Um, and certainly when we set up small, we had a real passion and belief that we could do it. We could find a way of making these products that work just as well as the big brands that had significantly less chemicals in them. And we could find a way of making them cheaper too. And we have this real kind of belief in that. But then drive is about continuing to do that every time you hit a pitfall continuing to pick yourself up and go for it again um and and running a business it, you do need an awful lot of drive because there's constantly you know people talk about it being a roller coaster and it really is it's mm -hmm. ups and downs ups and downs all the time and i think you have to have the resilience to get through that um every day 
um, and keep going with that kind of ultimate goal in mind. So I'd say it was both things. Sorry, Amelia, is that a bit of a cop out? Did you want no. me to? No, I mean, there's, I don't other? think there's no, but I don't think there's any right or wrong answer with these things. I think you know we all have different sort of views on it, and part of what the podcast is about is just to hear different people's insights because mm. uh, we all come to our conclusions because of where what we've done or or where we've been. I I, I think so. I think it's an interesting thing. So no cop out at all. How do you cope out of your comfort zone with uncertainty, would you say? I think I use a lot of my friends and colleagues to help me in uncertain times. So I'm one of these people that I love sharing um, how I'm, how things that I'm concerned about or worried about and, and benefiting from other people's ideas and other people's thoughts around things. And then I kind of distill it all down and come up with a conclusion. Um, so I very much, I'm not one of those people who kind of ponder on, on things alone. I'll use um, my environment and people around me to help me churn through um, thoughts and come, come back with a, a view or conclusion. Do you believe um, if you visualise a dream that it can manifest? Have you done any of that with your business, sort of visualised, well, I mean, business plans, goals, but... Mm -hmm. um, do you think that if you visualize your dream, it will manifest? I do think you have to visualize it. You do have to kind of bring it to life um, and and believe that it can be possible. And what we've seen is, you know, I, I would never have dreamt that we are doing what we're doing. Um, you know, from, from how we started off to, to literally every day we started off with you know the postman arriving at nick's house and taking a sack full of products um uh, uh, for a week or so and to think that after two weeks it was two sacks after three weeks it was three sacks after you know it just went on like that until we filled the little van that used to arrive <laughs> now every day we have several articulated vehicles arrive which are wow. filled to the brim with products going out on a daily basis and um did i did i dream that i didn't quite dream that i kind of i suppose i hoped that that might happen um but every day when you achieve the next thing you have a dream of what the next next point could be so we're now entering other markets and i do dream of the same of what we, what we see in the uk will happen in those other markets as well um and i do dream that our innovations will work just as well as the last innovations and that everybody will be you know, making these small differences that we can add up together and go, wow, look what we've done. Look what we've achieved through all these people, well, you know, behaving in, a, in the way that they would do otherwise, but just choosing us instead of another brand can make a big difference. So we calculate up how many kind of tons of plastic we save every month. We save 20 tons of plastic every single month by consumers choosing small instead of other brands. We, we save over 70 tonnes of chemicals um, by people making those choices. So it's, it's, you know, it is really all of those little things that can add up um, that we kind of dream about. If we had more customers or twice as many customers, wow, what we could achieve. Um, and, and we slowly start to see those dreams become a reality. So it's, it's uh, I don't know if I've answered your question again. I think, yes, there is a combination of dreaming that we can achieve the same things and 
Um, and, and we are starting to see those dreams become a, a reality. It's amazing. What have you learned about yourself uh, since you've had the business? Um, I've learned that I can put my hand to most things, pretty much anything, actually. Um, and I have learned that there are ways of doing things the way you want to do them, as opposed to maybe how big organisations have taught you how to do things. So we've always believed that we wanted to have a relationship with our consumers, which has been very different from our careers. So in our careers where we work for big companies and you develop marketing campaigns and you talk to consumers in a very um, kind of old fashioned way where you kind of you gave the message and you didn't really listen to anything that came back and you almost ignored anything that came back from consumers. And, and the way that we work is really every single consumer is an extended part of us as a business. And we listen to every single consumer point of view and discuss it, review it, decide whether it's something we can work on. And, and I think that's never happened in my career to date. And that's been quite a change in the way that we do business here. Um, and in addition to that, also it's in enabling everybody in the team, regardless of what their role, to have a role in anything that we do or have a point of view that is listened to in every single thing we do, regardless of whether they're managing the fulfillment of orders on a particular day or um, running the accounts and finances uh, of the business or dealing with customer service. Everybody has got a role to play and it's a it's a really nice feeling to work like that because it prevents um, sort of silos building it up in organisations. And that's certainly what I've experienced in, in other companies. So I know that Paula is eager to get on with her chocolate, but you've just got to have a few more quick fire round questions. Mm -hmm. Optimist or pessimist? Optimist. Introvert, extrovert or ambivert? Extrovert. Perfectionist or non-perfectionist? I think I'm a perfectionist, but my business partner, Nick, is a su supreme perfectionist. So he'd probably say I wasn't as much as him. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, I think I'm a perfectionist. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Ah, so that's why the podcast is being recorded later, because I'm an early bird. Oh, I see. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm, st I'm very much alert, especially because we're heading for the chocolate break. So Paula's choice um, of chocolate today is Toblerone. Why have you picked Toblerone, Paula? Because Toblerone, just I've got such fond memories of um, Toblerone being a child at Christmas. Um it used to be the the one thing that I would pull out of my stocking. The first thing out of the stocking was the Toblerone, um, and it was it had this sort of um, cachet around it. It was that sophisticated Swiss chocolate that I didn't normally see that would only get at Christmas. Um, so it kind of brings back huge memories, actually. Well, tuck um, in, tuck in. I'm going to open you. up my chocolate. I will. Poor Paula, um, we had some problems with sound and I don't think Paula's eaten very much today, so she is desperate. <laughs> I've already snitched three chunks, not today, but I I'm sorry, I bought it on the weekend and I just had to have a few <laughs> to taste. So um, a little bit about Toblerone is that it was created in Switzerland in 1908 by the cousins um, Emil Baumann and Theodore Tobler. And if on the pack, 
I don't know if you can see it, but there's a hidden bear to the left of the T in the Matterhorn. Can you oh, see yes. that? Yes, yes. Yeah, I've and, never noticed that before. Well, I never noticed that either, but that was uh, when I was researching it. And the other thing is that there's a bit of discrepancy because these triangular shapes, I know, are con quite controversial when they started shrinking them and making them wider mm. apart. They were supposed to be based on the Matterhorn, but then um, Theodore's cous uh, cousins or sons or relations anyway said that... Um, they thought, actually it was his, uh, Theodore's sons who said that they thought the shape originated from a pyramid shape that dancers at the Folie Bergère had created. So there you go. Oh, wow. Uh, anyway, history. Tuck, yeah, I know, real history. <laughs> you tuck into that and I'm just going to remind listeners that we have our new Hope and Patience chocolate bar that is only available to be won. So just keep an eye on the social media feeds to see where there are competitions or subscribe to our newsletter and you are, will be in with a chance of winning a bar. So, Paula, you tuck into that and think about what are your thoughts on the words success and failure? What do they mean to you? So I think success is achieving your best, whatever that might be, making the most of everything, making the most of your abilities, making the most of your time, making the most of life really and providing that you've done that i think we can all look back and say yeah we've we've been successful in our life um failure is the opposite to that just not um making the most of those opportunities whatever however they present themselves to you in your life so while we're eating chocolate which is not necessarily good for one's well-being although i would argue <laughs> it's good for one's mind and soul um we're going to have a quick few questions paula about your well-being Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I was reading up about is the power of laughing. And I remember years ago, I went on this laughing workshop and it was all a bit sort of wooky at that age stage because people just weren't into that sort of thing. But it was really infectious and you'd go along and you would literally just start laughing at someone else who was laughing too. And, and I have read that it's supposed to be really good and reduce the dreaded stress hormone cortisol. Do you think you laugh enough, Paula? I don't think I do, but do you? Yeah. Uh... I don't know. I probably would love to laugh more, but I do laugh a lot. And I think we as a business laugh a lot. We take, we don't take things too seriously. So I think laughing should always be encouraged in any organisation, whatever you're doing. There's always something to laugh about. How important is incorporating well-being into your day? I mean, do you manage to achieve it? I do because I, for me, well-being is is also about connecting with people, and I have lots of opportunities to connect with people in the team, um, and that makes me feel happy and that makes me feel good. I think I found certainly in the lockdown period, I found it quite tricky because we weren't connecting as much as we would normally do, or the connections that we had because so many of our connections were online one webcast after another I found that more difficult to feel that I was well but I think being able to connect more with other people and um, certainly um, in in our warehouse um, and distribution center and more with other people and that is good for my soul and my well-being but also taking time out to spend it with um, friends and family is also important. So trying to get that balance right. I don't always get that balance right. Um, founding a business is quite, it is quite busy and it does take a lot of your time. 
but um, I do try and force myself to have some time out of that as well. Otherwise, um, I, I feel it, actually. I do feel that I'm not um, functioning as well as I would do otherwise. How does stress affect you physically and mentally? Um, uh, the worst part of stress, I think, is I don't sleep very well. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that certainly is, is when I know I'm stressed is when I ha I'm not sleeping well. Um, and so that's definitely how it affects me. Um, but trying to get out and get out into fresh air um, is Im important. Um, we have a dog and our dog is um, one of my de-stressors because he's very good at just being able to take your mind off things, get outside and, and just take some fresh air in. And I think that's a great way. It's a very natural, it's a very simple thing, but amazingly it does, certainly for me, it just clears my head um, and enables me to kind of get on and, and not ponder and fester on things that I might be worried about. Yeah, dogs are amazing. They're magic little beings. Mm. Do you have your phone on or off at night, Paula? Do you switch off. it off at a certain time? Off. Yes. I, well, I, I switch it off when I go to bed, not at a certain time, but when I go to bed, yeah. And when you said that you couldn't, you find it difficult sleeping when you're um, feeling pressurized, mm. how, what do you do? Is there something that you do to then make yourself go to sleep or do you just accept it thinking, well, tonight I'm not going to sleep particularly well? Um, no, I try not, I try to not um, be like that. And I, I normally try and, and stop work a little bit before I go to bed, if I can. <laughs> um, so it's to have a little bit of a break, a little bit of a pause, break from something, do something different before I go to bed. So I kind of clear my head of the things that were bubbling around at that time. Um, but I have to say, Amelia, I'm not I'm I'm not good at this sometimes, so I wouldn't say that I've cracked it, but that's what I do try to do. And um, more recently, I've I've started running, so um, that's something that I do to to clear my head as well. And um, and I really enjoy that. So um, that's quite a good technique at kind of clearing things down and sleeping well because you've done some physical exercise as well. You've got children, haven't you, Paula? Too. I have. Yes, I've got two wonderful children yes but I've just become an empty nest this Aww. September as my uh, youngest has gone off to university so they're both off at university and it's a very strange I think we've had three weekends now which have been all to ourselves which has been very very strange um, just getting used to the fact that they're not here anymore and um, it's just my husband and I and the dog um, but uh, yeah it's it's early days but we are getting used to it I think slowly and um, Paula, have you got a book or a song that you'd like to share with the listeners at all? Um, the book that I would share is called The Great Disruption. Mm -hmm. um, and it's by an author called Paul Gilding, who um, has I had worked with previously. He's a great uh, climate activist, an Australian uh, climate activist. Um, and he he's written this wonderful book about... Kind of what's happening in the world and ultimately the kind of you know scary scenarios that could happen but at the same time he has he talks about how as a human race we come together at times of crisis and we will come together at time this this time of crisis too and resolve things and i think it's quite interesting when even thinking about this book uh, which i picked up to remind myself um uh, about uh, last week, 
um, is the situation that we're in at the moment and how I think, you know, despite some of the issues um, and the fightings amongst different political groups, etc., I do think we're also coming together to fight the the, the scenarios that we find ourselves in at the moment um and and that kind of the the kind of power of human nature um when it is determined to make a difference and do something positive i think is very overwhelming um and this book the great disruption is all about that it's about how how what's happening with climate change but the fact that um we as a race will come together and resolve it I'm definitely going to put that on my book list. Thank you very much for sharing that one. So with more and more people um, being prepared to rethink their working lives, what advice would you give people who are now thinking of setting up their own business? I think if you've got a good idea, um, I I would encourage you to go for it and to try it and to to and and you'd be surprised at some of the things that you may think need huge amounts of money or they need different resources you'd be amazed what you can do with very little to try things in today's world so some of the things that we've been able to do you couldn't do in a pre-digital world um, and it's now everything is possible um, so I would encourage people to give it a go um, because you'll never know unless you try. Um, and I think the worst thing, I think, you know, coming back to that successful failure, failure is having a great idea and then just not having the courage to, to take it on. Um, just give it a go. And if, if it works, it will be amazing. And if it doesn't, it will be amazing too, because you've tried. So, um, I, I would encourage anybody who's got a good idea, who's sitting there thinking, shall I give it a go to just go and try it? Very good advice. Finally, um, Paula, what, where have you had to have um, hope in your life and also patience? I think in my children, maybe, I think, is uh, hope that they would find the right path you can only with a, with your children i think you can only encourage them to do the things that you think are, is right and proper and hope that they will kind of take find their own path and um for that to be a good one um and i feel very lucky because of my children i think have taken good paths and so far so good so there there's hope for you because i think you can never you, you never know they're the, they're the most wonderful things in, in your life as a parent and you want them to not suffer and have good lives, but you just hope that that will be the case. Um, and what was the other thing? Patience. Hope and patience and probably patience with the children as well <laughs> in, uh, in uh, you know, enabling them to find that way, you know, find the route that is right for them um, and not interfere and just kind of wait and let them find their own way, um, I think is, is probably children around both hope and patience. So where can the listeners find Small? So Small's available online at smallproducts.com or you can find us through Instagram or Facebook. And anyone who uh, joins us, certainly in, in the next several months is able to have a free trial of both laundry either bio or non-bio or even both and also the dishwash tablets 
just by signing up and, and letting us have your details. And they just pay postage, don't they, for that? Yes, that's right. So it's £1 for postage and packaging. The capsules and tablets are free. And you will be hooked. So <laughs> thank you, Paula, so much for coming on the show. It has just been wonderful to have you here. Thank you for having me. Before I go, it's time for a film recommendation, not a book this episode, and the quote. The film is from an inspirational friend of mine, a leadership and life coach, Hamish Mackay Lewis. He recommended this film, and I'm doing exactly the same to you. Why? The multi-award winning down-to-earth film blew me away in every sense. It shares wisdom, global insights from earth keepers and a family's exploration of life. And it really is fantastic. So do check out Down to Earth. And the quote is by Meister Eckhart, be willing to be a beginner every single morning. A huge thank you for finding the show. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episode. And if you're enjoying the show, it would be truly fab if you could rate and review it. Any book recommendations, quotes, songs can be found in the show notes and on the website too. Until the next time, however tough the times get, keep that inner sparkle you have. Hope and Patience with Amelia Rope. Join the conversation at hopeandpatience.co.uk Find Amelia on Facebook at Hope and Patience or on Twitter and Instagram at Amelia underscore Rope.